rode for the first 48 hours without any sleep. And then, you know, I was starting to get a little bit delirious, not really remembering what was going on. So I took a 10-minute nap. Slept for nine of them. Slept for nine of them, woke up just before the alarm, ready to rock and roll again. Got going. Uh, probably did another six to eight hours. Welcome back to Switched On, a platform for mob like you and me who are looking to learn and grow from life experiences in order to fulfil one's potential, becoming more switched on in the process. Enjoy the episode. That'd be the sound that our guest made a fair few times this time last week while I was doing the ride, Braden. Yeah, mate. That, that's how fast he was riding. My <laughs> God, mate. Like, we were just talking about it off air. Like, it's it's an incredible feat. I can't wait to get into this podcast. But, man, this guy's fast. He's fast. <laughs> that's all we got to say, really. He's ultra. He's ultra. Yes. We are absolutely stoked to be joined by another freaking H on this podcast. Um, we've got a few world record holders now on the podcast, yes, which is pretty cool to say. Um, but yes, here's Jack Ultra Cyclist Thompson, also referred as to the most extreme cyclist on earth. Uh, Jack pushes, pushes the boundary of what is humanly possible on the bike, exploring the limits of human physiology, both physically and mentally. He now holds seven world records and is the fastest known times around the globe as an active and passionate advocate for mental health disorders. Jack, mate, how are you this morning? I'm good. I've been, uh, I've been more energised in the past. I'm a little bit tight at the moment, <laughs> having come back from a week of school visits in the Mundavidi. Yes. But uh, no, it's great to be here. It's great to have just done a cryo session and I'm feeling refreshed. Yeah. Lovely. How'd you find it? It was good. I didn't know what to expect. I've never done an ice bath or a cryo before, so <laughs> jumping in there, the nipples are actually pretty, pretty frozen still. I find that bizarre. <laughs> the, the one of the you got seven world records. You're a, a professional athlete, and you've never <laughs> stepped foot in an ice bath or a cryotherapy. I don't know. It's probably the only one on planet Earth that's never done that. <laughs> Recovery not a thing for you? or <laughs> <laughs> I've always just, you know, like I do the stretching and I, I don't even go to a physio or I don't get massage or anything. I don't know if it's just because I'm tight with my money and I don't want to spend it or if I'm... <laughs> Although recovery stuff's all taboo, that's why. Same, I'm mate. I'm, I'm tight as well. <laughs> oh, that's um, funny. Mate, we'll start off with the first question as per usual. And uh, you mentioned that you're a bit tired, but... Um, and. You can say the cry is your answer, but what did you do to get switched on this morning? Uh, first things first, like every morning's the same. I make the bed because it's like a goal of mine. Yeah. And I'm big on, you know, having goals and achieving them. And it might sound like a silly thing, but it's, it's like making the bed is the, the first win of the day. Yeah. And then big glass of water, then a coffee, a bit of a stretch, and then I actually went for a ride. So got out with the old man and a few of his mates down the beach for a spin and, uh, Feel all the more energised for it. Jeez, what time was that then? Five thirty. Five thirty start. <laughs> Beautiful. Love that. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> Is it? I was just thinking, like, because we had a chat on on Friday about you taking time off the bike, and I'm pretty sure I seen Martin um, wear post a photo on Sunday. Did you yeah. go for a ride Sunday as well? Yeah. So I went for it. So it's a funny one because I'm gen. Well, I typically take four weeks off a year. And I'm coming back to Oz over Christmas and I'd like to take the time off when I'm back over Chrissy. So I'm almost trying to prolong my off season so that when I do come back, I can take the time off. Yeah. yeah so just so spinning the legs out, keeping it social, keeping it fun, but you know, still training. I like <laughs> it. I like it. Good stuff. Mate, what about you? 
Mate, this morning, I was, um, what did I do? Oh, actually, what a, there was something I changed up and I was like so keen to tell you about. <laughs> now I can't even think about it. It's on off the top of my head. So left field. It, it was real different. Oh, yeah. I changed my walk routine. It's real different, mate. I'm, I'm like you, mate. I'm like bang, bang, mate. Yeah, yeah. But I, what'd you go anti-clockwise? <laughs> well, no, I just took a different, re- a different route, right? And it was actually interesting because I saw like I'm a big like like my house when I'm older. Like I want like um, white picket fence because like you know the cricket and you had the white picket fence. It's always been like a dream of mine. Yeah, yeah. And there was this unreal like house where it was like. Had the setup there, had the nice grass, but it had like the gate as well, like like the cricket gate. And I was just like, I'm going to continue this walk. But that was like, mate, it switched me on. I'm like, now I got to get to work and get some money to buy a house like this. But <laughs> that, I just thought, you know, it was a change up, mate. It was a bit, it's the same, but it's a little bit of a change Good up. Good on you, mate. Thank Good you. on you. Good you impressed? Yeah, I am. Thank you. <laughs> what about you? I was like, I'm going to tell Tom straight away. <laughs> what about you, mate? Um, mate, I was a bit sore from the day we had yesterday. We had a big day yesterday. Going yeah. to the Chili Willies and Ryan and, and Luke gave us a pretty brutal workout. Like, I, I take care of myself physically and mentally, don't get me wrong. Like, I do stuff throughout the week, but I don't go into the gym as much necessarily. So, getting put through this big circuit... Um, and then going to work last night at Gage, I was just walking around so tired and sluggish. And then woke up this morning, it's like, I need to just do a big stretch. And so spent 20, 30 minutes just stretching out and felt good. But still, I think I need to go in the cryo after, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How good do you feel, though, in the morning having a stretch, just opening up the back and getting it's the like hips good moving? Sore? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. If I don't do it, I feel like an old man. Like, I literally, I feel <laughs> stiff and crooked and <laughs> I am getting older, but, you know. <laughs> right along that as long as you can. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but even like when I'm walking around this night normally, like I'm 21 or 22 next week. Let's go. Um, Sunday. And I, st- I still like my back. I can turn it's like. Yeah, I'm the same. Always yeah. cracking, huh? <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> chiropractor on, yeah. on the move. <laughs> yeah, so I don't want to pay the money to go see Exactly. So I'll just be my own one. <laughs> but yeah, mate. Well, um, all right, we're switched on. We're good, ready to go. Let's, let's hop into it, eh? Um, Jack Ultracyclist Thompson, mate. So I was grateful enough to come on Friday to the um, to finish up the Mundabitty um, ride and you, you talk with Mitch and Mo and... Um, and just, I, I was out, Brad and I to hear your story in full. Um, well, Brad was with you actually last week, a lot of the schools and stuff. So, yeah. um, he heard a lot about it then as well, but I could not help but just be inspired by the way that you carry yourself and the story that you told pretty much from start to finish. Um, as just, yeah, if we can dive in, in, in this episode into some aspects of that, like about pre get pre cycle stuff, sure. um, and your youth and growing up. Um, yeah. Give the listener a bit of a background about Let's yourself. Give them a bit of context. So yeah. I'm as you touched on, we've broken a number of world records. We've you know, we've set world first and we've worked with some really big brands around the world to on marketing campaigns and different bits and pieces, but it didn't all happen overnight. And it's been, you know, it's been a long journey. I went to uni, got a degree in something I wasn't interested in and worked in a field I wasn't interested in and it was you know, a trip to rehab with a drug addiction for me that really turned my life around. And when I came out of that rehab, you know, I had to look back and work out what, what it was in life that was actually making me happy, what it was that was, um, you know, keeping me on track and giving me purpose, really. Like I was going to work and I just, I didn't enjoy going. 
and I was spending time on the internet and I was getting the work done, but I wasn't thriving in the environment. And I thought, you know, it was actually my dad that said to me, look, why are you doing that? Mm. And I thought that was funny at the time because, you know, as a lad, you, you go to work and you have to make an income. But it was him, he sort of planted this seed that if I wasn't enjoying it, I should do something I enjoyed. And I sort of went down this route of, you know, cycling and you know i've got an obsessive personality so when i do something i have to Mm. you know i do it well and i i try my hardest at it yeah and it's been it's been a real journey but you know i've created a career out of ultra cycling and yeah as i say we've just broken the mundabitty trail record and yeah it's uh it's all a bit of a blur (laughs) the last couple of years because so much has happened uh, but it all started with this dream. And I think, you know, we've been talking with schools this last week and the power of having a dream is actually really important because it gives us something to work towards. What was the acronym again? Do great things for life. Yeah. So D, your dream. G, uh, goals. T, the teamwork. Uh, F, for failures, because we all have them. And L, finally, for learning. We learn from the failures. Beautiful. It's... um. Yeah, like I, like you, it, it's so true. Like we all have a dream, and we both asked that sort of question on Friday, and not one kid didn't put their hand up. Yeah, and and it doesn't matter what what their dream is or what it is. I I was I actually yeah messaged you last night, and like we both reflected, me and Tom. But everyone's got a dream, but it's you and what you're doing and advocating it for mental health, mental well being, but also that you can achieve your dream, like. People have these dreams and they might want to be, yeah, like you said, an ultra cyclist or they might want to be an accountant or they might want to be an actor. But in the back of their head, they're like, oh, I'll never actually be able to achieve it. Yeah. But it's just proof that this is what can happen if you actually put the work in, put the time. It's not an overnight success like you yeah. said. It's, it's taken a long time and you've grown up with so many different challenges and obstacles, which we'll, we'll get into soon. But um, yeah, I think it's just proof that that word dream can mean so much. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, I think it's correct. It doesn't matter what the dream is. Like we asked the kids and you were there, what do you want to, well, you know, what's your dream? What do you want to do when you finish school? And there were obviously various answers, especially, you know, with the younger kids, some of them wanted to be astronauts. But then there was one that put his hand up and said he wanted to work at Woolworths. And it's, you know, there's no right or wrong dream. Mm. Um, what's important is just having that dream so that you're like, you know, like we've said, it's you, you work towards it, it's possible to achieve. Yeah. Well, you mentioned on Friday about um, when you're asking the kids about their dreams, one of them actually said, I want to be an ultra cyclist, um, like this guy right in front of me. That was a real trip out. Yeah. <laughs> How cool is that? The little, yeah, he's a little Scottish kid. Apparently he'd just moved from Scotland here and I could see him at the front of the room. He was really nervous and didn't want to make eye contact and... I said, oh, what's your dream? He said, oh, I want to be an ultra cyclist and I want to live in Spain and I want to inspire kids. <laughs> I was just <laughs> proper tripped out is by that, that response. Is that, is that me? Am I yeah. just delusional from this last week? Or? What's going on here? Yeah. But um, yeah, I want to wind it wind it back, mate, because I want to dive into, I guess, you know, your, your childhood a bit and growing up and the passion and where it come from. And I guess you said you're developed you know the the riding a little bit later but i know you you started doing triathlons and all that yeah. sort of thing so and why you started to do that and what gave you that drive i guess yeah so at about age 13 so first year high school i just well i probably didn't realize but the people around me realized that there was something not quite right like i didn't 
enjoy going to school anymore. And I'd always loved school in primary school, but I didn't enjoy it. I didn't really want to socialize with my friends, didn't want to catch up with people, didn't want to do the things I normally did. And um, I developed these weird sort of tendencies where I was winking eyes and, you know, they were um, like little ticks. And my mum said to me, look, maybe you need to go and chat with this psychologist because this is getting a little bit out of hand. Like I was, we'd go on a holiday and I was in the back of the taxi doing these weird things with my hands and it was my way of controlling what was going on around me looking back. And uh, I went to a psychologist, had a chat with him and he said, look, I think you're lacking purpose. Like you're going to school, but you obviously don't enjoy it. You're going through the motions, but you're not working towards anything. Maybe sport's something for you. And I'd always played sport, but I'd not really found the sport for me. And it was around this time my brother said, oh, look, I want a bike for Christmas. And I, being the jealous brother, didn't want him to have one and me not to have one. <laughs> so I asked for a bike as well. And I got one and had a buddy that was doing surf club. And anyway, long story short, I started doing triathlon. And this was great for me because it gave me a swimming, riding and running goal every day. And it kept my mental health in a really good place all throughout school. Um, I, you know, I didn't enjoy school itself, um, not because it was a bad school. I just wasn't for me. I didn't feel. Mm. I didn't like feeling yeah. constrained. And all throughout school, my mental health was really good. And uh, and yeah, going into uni, I, I gave it away, and that's when the uh, the wheels fell off. So I don't know if we want to jump into that now. Tell that part of the story. Yeah, if you're. Yeah, yeah happy to, yeah. sure. So I'd been spoken with a careers advisor at school and I'd enjoyed woodwork. I'd enjoyed you know, the more sort of physical um, subjects at school. And he said, wow, there's a um, course at Curtin, construction management and economics. You could go into construction. Um, you know, perhaps you don't want to do a trade. This is maybe a good option for you. And so I went, I studied, I gave away the triathlon and I started partying because I'd just reached 18 going out, you know, probably mixing, well, definitely mixing with the wrong crowd. Um, do a thing that they're expected to do as 18-year-old going out, yeah, drinking drugs. Drinking, taking drugs, experimenting. Yeah. And, you know, at the time, you don't realise that the people you're hanging around with, how they're influencing you, not necessarily peer pressure, but it's just the influence of being around the people you're around. And there was a lot of drug use and, you know, being an obsessive style person, I started and had a little bit and then I had a little bit more and then it just spiraled out of control. And at the time there was this construction boom in Perth. So I was working, I was making good money while I was studying. I was living at home and I had a basically a bit of a frivolous income that was going directly to my um, drug habits. And... Yeah, one night got home from work and on the bed was all of my gear. So my parents had been through my room and looked in the, uh, you know, I had stuff stored in jackets and in you know, bottom drawers and it was all laid out on my bed. And yeah, this was sort of the turning point for me. So I went downstairs, my dad was there waiting for me and he said like, you know, what are you doing, mate? You know, we don't condone this sort of behavior here. Uh, and basically made me look at myself and what I was doing and said, you know, if you don't stop, then you can basically move out. You can, you know, we don't want you to be a part of this family anymore. It's just not what we're about. And I gave away the drugs overnight, but I went off a really 
uh, you know, I went into a deep, dark hole of depression because I'd been living this high. Mm-hmm. And this was when I then went into the rehab because I was, you know, out of control. I had suicidal ideation and I just wasn't, you know, in a good place. I was, felt like I was living in another person's mind. And, uh, yeah, this was where it all sort of turned around. So it was the worst thing that ever happened, but probably the best thing that ever happened because that was the turning point, um, you know, in my life, my development that steered me in down, down the trail of becoming a cyclist. Yes. Yeah. So, so winding, winding back to, I guess, you, you found purpose you, in your, um, your triathlons and that was what you were loving and you're obviously still going to school at the time, but that was what was keeping you going and, and driven. And then did you literally just like, like you just cut it off when you went to uni and that was it? Yeah, so I remember it got to the point must have been I was almost going through that that puberty stage where you know I enjoyed it but I was sort of you know getting closer to 18 and mates were drinking and I thought oh you know I don't know if I really want to continue with this and I want to go to uni and I you know I wanted to meet girls and I wanted to have a partner and all of this and Mm -hmm. I remember we sat down at City Beach it was my dad with the coach that I was using at the time and we said hey look you know I'm gonna give it a rest for a little while. Um, maybe I'll come back to it, but for now it's just, you know, I need to do different things. I'm of the age where I need to, you know, experiment a little bit and go out and, you know, try and enjoy that university life. And it just sort of slowly fizzled out. And I think I was probably a little bit burnt out with it. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, swimming, riding and running and school oh, had just it'd become a little bit monotonous. Um, and I was quite focused at school. Like I, in, I didn't enjoy school, but I, I think that obsessive side, perfectionism. Like I yeah, wanted to do yeah, well. Yeah. It had almost created. I'd created or well, put pressure on myself, and so yeah, we it was essentially over the course of a few days, I just gave it away. It's yeah, and and is that? I guess you talked about um, people you surround yourself with and your friends. Was it a completely different friend group when you were? like doing the triathlons to when you, I guess, started going to uni? Or was it a complete different group? So with the triathlon, I I wasn't really hanging out with the people at school. It was an older bunch of, well, they were, I guess they were teenagers at the time, but they were all older than me. And I I enjoyed hanging out with the people that were older than me and they were almost role models and they looked after me as the young guys in, in in the club. And when I gave it away, I almost lost contact with those role models and Mm. I was almost left to my own devices. And I think because I'd had them looking after me to a degree for so long, you know, this is all just me thinking off the top of my head because these are questions I haven't considered before. But I, yeah, losing them, probably I also lost my identity a little bit as well. And then, you know, going to uni, you're the new kid at, well, we were all the new kids at mm. university that year. Um, everybody's trying to be somebody. Um, find the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to find their mates in a new sort of, you know, part of their life. I was just lost. And I think that's when you become vulnerable to, you know, the peer pressure or the, you know, trying to fit in with societal norms. And I think it's a, a difficult period for anyone be it a, a guy, a girl, a, you know, whatever it is, it's a, um, it's almost like a transition stage in your life. And if you don't have the support around you, it's quite easy to be, you know, steered off in the wrong direction. Yeah. 
absolutely. Um, you mentioned just at the end of um, your bit of a story, like coming out of rehab and how it was the best but worst thing um, for you at the time. Is that because like that's what sparked you and it's like getting back into cycling and that kind of that that road? Yeah, it was like I started from ground zero again and had to build up. Yeah, and I like didn't have the friends around me anymore. I it was almost like the turning point, the roundabout. Yeah, so you find like is it, was it kind of like you found solace in like the solitude? Kind of. Yeah, thing? it's yeah. like I'd had time to think about it, and. I think going back to work as well, when I went back into the office, I was like, why am I, like, this isn't really helping my mental health. I'm making money, but like, I'm not enjoying it. Yeah. Because I remember you saying on Friday, then you, you realized that. And I think you had this conversation with your dad. Yeah. You go back to work the next day and said, sorry, mate. I'm out. I can't back. do it. Yeah. And it was funny because I'm still in touch with, not my boss, but one of the guys that I used to work with. And just after I left, he's got two kids and a wife. He left as well. Same thing happened. He thought, well, I, I can't, you know, I've seen what Jack's done and I, I don't really want to be here anymore either. Mm. And w- we share a common bond now because we both left at the same time. I was going to say, that's, you get that, hey, like that bond together. And I guess that's two times in your life that you've had to sort of restart, right? Because you quit triathlons within three or four days and then you've had to, you sort of lost those friends straight away. So you, yeah. again, by yourself trying to fit in, trying to find your purpose, your new identity. And then you go through uni and you, I guess, do the construction and everything like that. And then out of rehab, it's like, okay, now i got to, again, I'm like starting at ground zero again for the second time. Yeah. Do you reckon that they sort of overlap or do you reckon there's any like one that, I guess, because in life, I'm, I'm sort of trying to get this from a, when you finish high school, then you go to uni, then you finish uni and, and it's like, well, because a lot of people go through that, like they, oh, now I'm going to go to this uni and then I'm going to meet new people and then I'm going to leave uni and like, I don't even want to do that. It's wasted four years. You get so many people doing that. So yeah, those two periods, what do you, can you remember the most about like helping you recreate or find that purpose again? Um, If that makes sense. Yeah, I think the... I think I was, have to think about this, like, I think the fact that I'd hit rock bottom, so if we talk about the rehab, like, that was rock bottom, I only had one way to go from there. How long were you in for? It's about three or four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, if I didn't have the family around me at the time... I don't know what would have happened, you know, like who knows where I would have been because they were really supportive. All the sort of mum and dad's friends were really supportive. Um, but I I think I was, I was forced to recreate myself that time and there was sort of no going backwards because I couldn't go any further backwards and, you know, it was bloody hard at the time but it was, um, it was almost like I had a clean slate and I almost took that, you know, I took that as a positive thing. Like I can go and do whatever I want now. I've sort of had that past and despite it being difficult, you know, it's taught me a lot. It's taught me what not to do. It's taught me how bad things can get. Um, and now I really have got an, op- well, you know, how lucky am I? I've got another opportunity to give it another go. Yeah. Love. And um, you touched on recreate, like, 
at any point in you like you don't have to hit rock bottom or, or go into rehab or have you know like something so hard happen to you nah. to recreate yourself right no nah, absolutely not whether it's you know a new position at work or you know new friend you know joining a new gym there's you can recreate yourself every single day yeah. i think we sometimes get caught up in thinking you know i'm jack and this is who i am and this is what i do and you know you're braid and you know we're constricting ourselves by thinking that way we could go out tomorrow and start a degree in whatever we want to do or you know start a trade if we wanted to or you know start being a swimmer it's it's up to us to make it happen yeah you can't keep labeling ourselves right yeah what's what we do yeah it's hard to take a left or right turn when you've got so much momentum going forward don't you exactly yeah yeah um jack you mentioned a lot about just even previously is how the support crew you have around you like your family and your dad comes up a lot yeah um like could you touch on your dad and like maybe some like of the best piece of advice that he's yeah so dad dad was quite lucky he he worked really hard when we were growing up and he he had actually had snap printing shops he had one up the road from here so when we were driving in this morning he was like wow this brings back memories i was here for 30 odd years working every morning (laughs) So he worked very hard while we were growing up. He's also a type one diabetic. Uh, and he's always like, he's worked hard, but he's always valued that time away from work. And he decided when he was 52, I think he was, he said, look, I think I've made enough money. I'm going to retire now. I don't, I don't have any desire to go to work. And he just gave his business away. So we gave it to the three guys that were working with him. Um, and he's basically been on a bit of a journey himself. So he decided, look, now I'm retired. I'm going to ride my bike around the world. And we grew up with his dad that was always off on these adventures. And he's, you know, that, that side of him has definitely inspired me. But his way of thinking, so he, he often says to me, you only get one shot. So, you, you know, you, you only die once. You're only, you know, you get one shot at life. Don't waste it. And that's something that really sticks with me. It's like, you know, why are we waiting until tomorrow to do something? Um, and there's a concept I actually read about called death meditation, where Interesting. you wake up in the morning and you tell yourself, and to begin with, it sounds a little bit somber, this afternoon, I'm going to die. All right. And you spend the day doing everything you do because you want to do it because tonight you're going to die or this afternoon you're going to die. Oh, wow. And basically the concept is like treat every day like it's your last uh, and do the things that you're really passionate about doing. Don't waste time doing stuff you're not. And that's something that sticks with me. You know what that reminds me of? You know, I'm a big Nickelback fan. Yeah. Have you heard the song, If Today Was My Last Day? Have you heard that song? If I heard it, I'd probably recognize um, it. And it reminds me of that because I actually listened to that song um, it's, it's going to sound really funny, but on the way to um, the Scotch yeah. Uh, College, yeah, because I was just like, I'm, I had um, the playlist, like I think it was a Spotify thing, and it's what come up, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go back into my Nickelback, yeah. and it just come up, and it's all reminded me, and then you, and now you've touched on that again. It's so true, right? We only ever you get this moment or this life, like one, why, why, and try and be someone you're not. Yeah. One, why try and chase someone else's dream and I guess I sort of shared it yesterday um, in this men's circle that we did at, at this event and you know I'm, I'm in that place where 
at the moment, like the last week, I've just been thinking about so many different things and so many tangents, I guess, I want to go down and, and want to create or be a part of. But it's like, is that my dream or is that trying to follow in someone else's? And yeah, I guess it's that's been like on my mind a lot. And I feel for you, when you worked out you wanted to be an ultra cyclist from the start, was that that was your dream when you're like starting a clean slate? This is the idea, this is the purpose, this is what I want to do. Yeah, it was like it took a little while to work it out. What I knew is that I just wanted to ride a bike mm-hmm. and I knew that I liked riding a long distance and it was like, well, yeah, but this doesn't exist as a job. So how am I going to make a job of it? And it was almost like entrepreneurial, like how am I going to make money out of this thing when it, you know, there's no money to be made? And it's been a journey, like I like. <laughs> I still really need to work out how to commercialize it properly. Mm. Like I, yeah, you know, I make money doing it, but it's, I can't continue doing this forever because yeah, it yeah. takes such a toll on the body. So I need to work out, you know, all right, I've got this ability, but how am I going to be able to use that ability in five years time when I'm perhaps, you know, a little bit older and a little bit more dusty <laughs> and there's a little bit of thinking that needs to be done, but it's. Look, I, I live in Spain. I've got a house in Spain. I've got a partner there. I get to ride my bike around the world and inspire people. Like, if, if that's my job description, then fuck, it's a pretty good one. Yeah. yeah. So getting to that, well, that's just like where you are now, building up in, in like those stages. What did you, what were some of the things that you did? Like, you obviously hopped on the bike, but like building up to that level to where you are now. Yeah. What were some of the things that you like, the tools, I guess, that you you welcome into life to sort of help build you build you yeah so like in the construction world i'd i'd learnt how to write quite a crafty email because it, it's all about contractual this and contractual that yeah. so i'd that's one skill that i took from my studies and from my time working that i put into place you know as a cyclist looking to make a living and it was like all right so I can ride a bike. I think there's an opportunity in Thailand to promote cycling. All right, I'm going to get in touch with Thai tourism and talk to them about an opportunity that I can come to Thailand. Yeah, and, cool. But it was that skill of, you know, writing an email, which you know, at the time I didn't think was a useful skill. It was just a necessity. Yeah. And I used that to my advantage or, you know, putting things into perspective. Like I've been at rock bottom. I'm three days into a five-day trip and it's hard but is it really hard? Mm. Like, let's put that into perspective. I'm riding my bike in an amazing part of the world and sure it's hurting, but it was way harder when I was in rehab and I was overcoming a drug addiction and that's using, perhaps that's the math skill that I learned back at school and applying a percentage to something. Mm. It's funny, the skills that we pick up, like I never thought I'd use times tables, (laughs) you know, as a cyclist, but that's one of the things I do to occupy my mind when I'm bored on the bike I pick a number and I go as high as I can with that number and it's like it's funny the yeah the, the skill set that you know if you saw on the you know advertisement at uni or ultra cyclist this is the skills you need you wouldn't think that's one of them on there Time's tables. that's that's just we'll probably get into that soon though what goes on your mind um, which I'm really keen to touch on and, and we could segment segue into that straight away but your first, so that was the first ride, right? Thailand to promote it. Yep. And then from there, was that like, okay, this could actually really become something if I want to keep riding, keep raising either, or eventually got to awareness for mental health, but like I can ride and I can promote Thailand. Like yeah. this is pretty cool. Yeah. Like is, once you finished that, was it what was like 
the turning point, like, yeah, this is it. This is what I want to do. And was it hard to be like, like you said, you got to monetize it. Like, you got to try and yeah. make money and get paid. Because um, I guess that's what holds a lot of people back. Yeah. Because right? they're like, I need money. I need to be safe and financially free. Yeah. So if I achieve, if I go this dream, what if it doesn't work out? Yeah. So I'd worked out with the tourism stuff that, oh, okay, Matt, if I'm getting featured in magazines and websites, there's a sponsorship angle where I can approach brands and seek sponsorship because I'm essentially marketing their brand. So that was how I initially started making a bit of income from it. But then about a year after Thailand, I had this idea and I was sitting around a coffee shop with a mate and we said oh why don't we do something extreme and film it and then as part of that film have a second storyline that talks about my struggle with depression so it's bringing what is a niche sport into mainstream culture yeah and we just we, there was an event in taiwan an extreme mountain climb event and so i went and did that but i did it four times so i got to take advantage of the media that was there for the event but also got to take advantage of, you know, the fact that we'd done something extreme. We had this extreme story and I had a platform and to talk about my struggles. And that was when it probably went up another level because we then had a film piece that we could tour. It existed online. And at the time, there wasn't a lot of this type of adventure, mental health content um, on the web. Mm. And, it, and it, you know, at the time, it sort of went a little bit viral. And then brands started to become more interested um, and it turned into a game of, all right, what am I going to do next? How am I going to weave the mental health story in? And it's grown from there. Mate, um, if listeners, Braden, if you haven't watched like, some of those YouTube mm-hmm. clips, um, yeah, definitely go on there. Like, what, is, is the YouTube channel just like, I think it's just Jack Ultra Cycle, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's the yeah. one. I've, I've been on there. I've watched quite a few of the um, videos and even from the podcast that released last week or week before, um, on you are what you consume like that that's good content I, I like I love sitting there and that like watching that doesn't feel like time wasted because I appreciate it's, just, it. it's just such a positive story to listen to <laughs> um sorry Mo's just outside the booth <laughs> but um but yeah like definitely go check them out because like when you when you just mentioned that then it's like oh doing a niche um niche sport and bringing that together in, in the mainstream media like Need more people doing that, hey? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny, like, you know, you know what it's like here in Australia, like, people don't really like cyclists. Like, <laughs> you know, we're the, we're the idiots tapping around at the cafe in the, in the tap shoes and in the lycra, and there's oh. still a bit of a stigma attached to it, but I think it's slowly changing. Like, it's becoming more mainstream. Yeah. We just need to work out a way to make it cool. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. It, yeah, it's so funny. Some people just like, oh. can, they can't get over it, hey? Like. I'm still conscious in the cafes here. I'm like, ah, I'm one of those guys. It's just, is that, I guess, completely different? Off the real off topic, but in, like inspiring um, in the world? Or? If we, like, say in Belgium, right, or in Holland, if you go to a coffee shop in Lycra, you're a hero. Like, pe- <laughs> people love it. So, <laughs> like you're famous. Let's just go to Belgium and just buy some Lycra and walk around. <laughs> yeah. Around. yeah I'm just famous. on a tour to France. Like. <laughs> yeah. Mate, that's so funny. That's so good. Oh. Um, so, what like you talked about doing the docos and and providing your story on mental health? Why do you think it was so important to share your journey and and the mental health part of it, plus 
I guess, adding in the film and the photography and, and broadcasting that as well. Yeah, I think, so the, I really enjoy. And on that, sorry. And yeah. why did you want to share your story? Yeah, good, good point. So I think because I had the that sort of mental health diagnosis from a really young age, I've never felt ashamed about talking about it. Like it's never been something that I've been like, well, oh, I suffer from depression and I'm a bit nervous to talk about it. It's always been like, that's just me. I grew up with it and, you know, I'm happy to talk about it. So it's never been a struggle. And then um, second part of that question is, you know, I can ride a bike and I can do these really cool things, but you know, is that really fulfilling or am I just going to get to the point where I'm, oh, we've, we've achieved something else and that's great, but then on to the next one, on to the next one. I really like the creative side of trying to work out how we can combine cycling and how we can, can combine, say, better well-being and putting them together. And it's almost like a bit of a creative outlet trying to come up with a project concept. Um, and I think while at times it's a lot of work, it, that almost keeps me sane. Because mm. if it was just the cycling, I think I'd almost, you know, I'd get to the point where I'm like, well, why am I doing another one? What's the real purpose? Yeah. Like this Mundavidi one, it was obviously bloody hard as I got towards the end. And at times I thought, you know, wh- why am I doing this? But then it very quickly it turns around, well, I'm doing this because I'm going to go and chat to kids afterwards. And if we can change the direction of one kid's life, then it's really worthwhile, isn't it? 100%. And and I guess I can segue into the, the Mundavidi, uh, unless you got... Well, unless it was like you wanted to touch on some of the other rides leading up to the Mundabidi, because, well, that, after doing Mundabidi, that's the seventh world record. <laughs> but, like, what about the other six? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, that over the last couple of years, we've done a couple. So, it's like the most kilometers ridden in a week. So, three and a half thousand kilometers down in the <laughs> south of Spain. We did um, the Tour de France, which most people would have heard of, three week bike race, 21 days. We set the record for the fastest completion of the Tour de France, which That's was right. 10 days. Um, <laughs> crossing countries, so the Portugal crossing record, Tokyo to Osaka in Japan, which was quite a famous Japanese record. Um, the most meters climbed in a year on a bike, so it was just over a million meters. And how many, uh, I think I was reading that on, the, on your website, it was like, how many Everests? 52. Yeah, I was actually going to say 52, but I didn't want to get the number wrong. But. So it was 52 yeah. Everest. So anyone that doesn't know what an Everest is, it's a concept of, well, Everest, the highest peak in the world, 8,848 metres. So whether you run it, you ride it, you've got to climb that height. And obviously there's no mountains that exist that are that high. So you might pick a mountain that's 50 metres or a hill that's 50 metres in height, and you have to climb it up and down, up and down until you hit that equivalent of 8,848 metres. It's mental. <laughs> yeah, I'm crazy, eh? Feeling tired. <laughs> <laughs> about talking it. about it, thinking about it. And each one of them have had something behind it, right? A reason. Yeah. So last year with the Everestings, it was raising money for mental health charities. So we raised around half a million for three different charities. Then the Tour de France one, again, it was a bit of a publicity stunt because we had it's okay not to be okay, decals on the wheels. So when the media picked that up, it was there was a messaging behind it. Um, the Taiwan one, again, that was when I first came out, told my story. 
uh, the world record. It was just after COVID, so the image that sticks there was me with a face mask on, just broken the world record, but I suffer from depression. Great, mm. great photo. Saw that. Yeah. yeah, thanks. And so there, they've all got that mental health message to them. Another awesome photo. The one where it says it's okay not to be okay. They're just the photo of you with the bike there, and it's uh, so bright. Yeah. It's, but like it's, it's a photo that has so much meaning to it. Like. The mask with the words written on it, the bike. Like, it's not just like, let's capture this moment. It's, let's capture this moment. But there's the subtle, like, I just feel like everything you're doing at the moment or, or putting out or content, it's, it's always, there's a little message. It might not be a big message or it might just be something small. But I think that's what's really important that I've found with what you're doing is that it's not just, I'm here to make content and put it out there and get, brands and money and sponsorship it's there's always a message behind everything that you're doing yeah i appreciate that which is so important and i guess that will flow into the, the monday be like why i know how long it was a pro i know the process of how long it took and stuff what was the first time you like i really want to do this i want to break the record but i want to raise it for this and then you know what was that purpose yeah. so and so, reason behind yeah 2022 last year was the year we did the million meters in the 52 Everest. So it was this year of absolute monotony, trying not to get sick, trying not to get injured, just full on for a year. And off the back of that, I was like, well, I've just spent a year literally reaming myself. I actually, like I have always enjoyed riding a bike, but I was getting to the point where I was almost a bit sour with it. Mm. And I thought, well, next year I'm just going to do projects that I'm genuinely just interested in because I think that'll help me fall in love with it again. And so I picked this project in Japan because growing up, you know, we were lucky to go skiing in Japan and I really enjoyed the culture there. So that was the reason behind that. And then the Mandabidi, again, I grew up in Perth. Mm. It was this trail that existed on our doorstep. I was always interested in it, but I'd never gone and done it. And I got chatting with the guys from Akia, which is a mental health startup here in Perth. Um, and it was just by chance that we caught up for a coffee and they told me about what they were, they told me all about what they stood for. And I thought, wow, maybe I could come and do them under Biddy and then we can connect communities through wellbeing. Uh, and this project came to life, Mundabiddy Dreaming, which was essentially to try and break the record for the Mundabiddy, but then encourage kids to dream. My dream was the Mundabiddy, you know, what's their dream? Get that dialogue happening. Yeah. And so we did this record and then we visited schools and asked kids, you know, what's your dream and gave them a toolkit for actually achieving it. So very rewarding project. It was a very tiring project. Um, just talking with kids and my heart's full. Um, you yeah. can tell, mate, but you're, you're, yeah. if I wish someone had a camera right now, mate. Your <laughs> face is just lit, like, lit up. And you talk about dream, like that was your dream, but your dream was to be an ultra cyclist. You achieved that. It's a it's like a dream can be this one big thing. Like, yep, my dream is to be an ultra cyclist, but that doesn't have to be it. Like, there's little dreams within that. Like, every yeah. single one of these events you've done have has been a dream, right? Yeah. So I think that's also really important to to take note of is just because you've achieved, I guess, your dream, which is to be an ultra cyclist. There's still dreams within the dream. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Little offshoots. You know, every night we go to bed, we have dreams and. Mm -hmm. You know, every day you can have a dream if you want to. It's just a matter of writing it down and making it happening. Yeah, which I love. Absolutely. Yeah, should we jump into the Mundabidi a bit? Yeah, let's, I want to like 
relive it. Take yeah. take us through the forest. Yeah, that is what uh, that. Yeah, well, that is what defined as uh, Mundabiri defined us through the forest, right? Yeah. So the the native Aboriginal um, how do we say translation of Mundabiri is path through the forest. Yeah. So it connects Mundaring in Perth East down to Albany in the south. And it's exactly that. It's this continuous path. It's the longest continuous bike trail in the world, which was something I didn't realise until a little bit closer to um, actually completing it. 1,067 kilometres um, through a number of small southwest communities. Uh, there's a whole lot of wildlife on the trail. There's a whole lot of big trees. Uh, like It's wild out there. But it's this world-class facility that WA has on its doorstep that, again, I hadn't ridden. I'd ridden parts of it, and like I spent my whole life. I grew up here. I obviously rode bikes all the time. Never been and done it, and yeah. so I was pleasantly surprised at how bloody good it is, how hard it was to actually complete it. And yeah, I mean, I encourage anyone that hasn't done it to get out and do it. I love that. Oh, but mate, it definitely inspired me to do it one day for sure. And like, uh, and when you say that we've got like this beautiful environment on our doorstep, like I think. Um, well, you, de- you did pass Warpole, um, but I remember even when we did like Outward Bound in like year 10, yeah. 10 or 11, um, hearing that at the time, that area down there is one of the most biodiverse places in the world. Yeah. And it's just, and you can tell, you just walk around, it's just, it's, just, it's insane. The, tr- the trees are monsters. Like, I, I don't know why they're called like the giants. Mm. So there's like the trees and then, but then there's obviously like the, the vegetation below and yeah. like if we want to talk animals... Fucking hell, I'd forgotten how <laughs> wild Australia is. <laughs> Kangaroos, emus, pigs, snakes, spiders, yeah. lizards, bats, birds, like everything. <laughs> I even saw a dinosaur out there when I was yeah. getting a bit hazy. I was going to say, we'll get onto that bit soon. <laughs> but the, yeah, I guess the lead into the, the project, like what what went like what went into it? So there was, um, I, I spent a couple of months training specifically for it. Uh, what does that look like? Just staying up for 48 hours? Yeah, <laughs> not eating and... Yeah, almost. <laughs> so uh, I typically it's 30 hours a week on a bike training and then there's the stretching, visiting the doctor to get a blood test, all, you know, food... Pr- I, I almost count that as training time. As you know, like that's all what goes into that end performance. Mm-hmm. So there's all of that. And then there was planning. The Monday video was interesting because it was unsupported. So I couldn't take water. I couldn't take food from anyone. So I had to be self-sufficient. So it was working out what time do I have to leave to make the most of open hours at shops and what time am I going to arrive at the shops and what am I going to buy there? And there's a fair bit of work goes into the scheduling of it all. And then the actual project itself. So the visiting of the schools, securing of sponsorships. It was probably a... eight to ten month project if we look at it from start to finish uh and now we've got a film that we're preparing so yeah it's, it's a year-long project uh not just the writing component exactly and that's what i guess you got this big highlight that there's the yeah i just achieved a world record and people be like that's so cool i want to do that but it's this thing that this guy's an overnight success not not saying you know people yeah. say oh they're an overnight success yeah, they might be an overnight success is what you see, but it's the hard work and the, the time, the effort you put into it. And in saying that, and we'll get into the school part of it soon, but you like coming off probably 
well, you had what? I think it's 10 minutes of sleep and then you've gone straight into schools and the travel, the talking, I think all up in that whole week, I think what do you have like maybe like 20 hours or something as well that week or yeah, any sleep? Well, it's been really busy and it's interesting what you say, the overnight success. We were down at the coffee shop this morning and one of the guys said, oh, you know, he, he didn't mean it when he said it, but he said, oh, I said, life in Spain's really relaxed. And he said, yeah, it is when you're not working. And I was like, what? <laughs> See that? You know, like, I would have, yeah, I would have. I'm not working an office job, but I'm spending more hours a week probably working than you are. I'm not complaining, but. <laughs> you just said 30 hours a week on the bike. Yeah. Let alone the, the stretching, the organizing, like, you know, your schedule, your food, like all that sort of stuff in the planning. Yeah. So, and people like work. 38 hours a week and they're like oh stuff this you're on a bike for 30 hours plus everything else so yeah yeah I, I could touch on that overnight six <laughs> i don't know what goes people some people don't understand what what goes into yeah. things and then when they start things or they make comments like that yeah it, it sort of like puts things into perspective like you know what i actually this is a full-time job yeah, I'm, I'm working, working hard. hard yeah exactly but anyway that's society you know yeah. it's almost like they don't take it serious but hey it is what it is. Just another perspective on the ride. So, one thousand and sixty-seven kilometers. Uh, there was a there was like a um, one of the images on Friday that was showing like if you were to put that kind of mileage on anywhere else on the planet, like the thing that the example was from the top of France to Italy. Yeah. Like so if it, you rode from Paris to Rome, yeah, nonstop, it's the same distance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's bizarre. Probably a little bit more enjoyable so, in that you could eat some croissants yeah. and maybe a few more shops along the way. You yeah. see, <laughs> but um, but yeah, and then, but you constantly riding. I think was well sixty hours, right? Yeah, yeah. So basically, it was sixty hours. We I did I say we because I referred to like it's a it's a it's team, a team effort, effort at the end yeah. of the day. Rode for the first forty eight hours without any sleep and then you know i was starting to get a little bit delirious not really remembering what was going on so i took a 10 minute nap slept for nine of them slept for nine of them woke (laughs) up just before the alarm ready to rock and roll again got going uh probably did another six to eight hours and then it was middle of the day really hot again howling headwind down in albany and i thought no i I need more sleep because you know i'm just not operating like i should couldn't refuel overnight because the shops i wanted to stop at were closed because i was a bit behind schedule and stopped in down near denmark albany way for another eight minutes sleep on the side of the road at the car park in the sand there's a really good image yeah very good doesn't look comfortable but i remember it being the most comfortable place on earth and i had eight minutes and then off off we went again um you know the film team's got it all on camera so it'll no doubt make for some good viewing and it was actually really nice as i got closer to albany people started to come out and there were a couple of kids with signs and again it's that stuff that gives me motivation to keep pushing when it's tough uh and man the Maccas at the end was so good. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I also want to touch on your superpower that you were talking about on Friday. Ah, the music. The music. Um, so the thing was you said for the first half of the ride that you didn't use music. So what I do is I do 100-kilometer blocks. So yep. first 100, no music, and then the reward is music at 100 kilometers. But it starts off pretty chill sort of music. It's more... 
give me a bit of company, giving mm. me a bit of little bit of up and go, but I don't want to put the house music on straight away. <laughs> and then as I get into the night, it gets a little bit heavier, a bit, little bit more trancey, yeah. and that sort of just keeps me awake, get lost in the music. Um, again, you know, similar thing the following day, I use it as a, as a reward. But then when it gets really, really hard, I've got a few playlists that I can revert back to that I feel are like really emotional. And for me at the moment, it's a James Blunt album, new album he's just released. And there's one particular song, Dark Thoughts, where he talks about a friend that's passed away with a drug addiction and he didn't realize that they had the drug addiction. And for me, that's just like, you know, it's like eating Vegemite. It's like, you know, that's the secret sauce. Mm. And I can just, you know, push through what feels like anything. Yeah, you played it on Friday and you could just see the emotions like that you were feeling going through at the time. And I was crying. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> There was a few people in the crowd with a few tears. And it was quite hard. And knowing that, like, well, getting that context now of like you having that in your ears while she's riding, like taking that kind of energy. It's like, it's like when someone breaks up. <laughs> with each other and then goes to the gym and just like starts listening to sad music and pumping weights yeah like, that's the new the PBs yeah, yeah. <laughs> the I guess you talked about riding during the night so for people that don't know um, this is over the when it was like it was like I think it was like 30, 40 degree weather both Friday, Saturday Sunday it was that heat wave week yeah and you're and it's going to getting down to like 25 at night too so no food, hot as, and then you're riding in the night. Yeah. Like one riding in the night, you would have had your torch that's yep. on the bike because it operate unbelievable bike too. But like the different in weather, the different in um, environments, and how did you? You can't prep for forty degree weather. Nah. You can't prep for it to be twenty five degrees at night, and then it's pretty hard to prep for. I'm actually behind schedule, but I think it was was it five hours. Yeah. And then now there's no food. Like, yeah. how do you prep for that and what goes into your mind? Like, because people would just be like, oh, no, nah, this is, oh, yeah. it's going to be 40 degrees. I probably might not be able to break the record. I might just do it another, give it another yeah. week. Yeah. It was really hard with this because ideally I would have pushed it back a few days because the forecast three days later was mid-20s and that would have been <laughs> ideal. But we couldn't because we had the commitments with the schools. And for me, it was like, all right, if I can't control that, forget about it. So I'd, you know, I'd look at the weather, but I'd, I didn't let it concern me and people were saying, oh, you know, maybe you should do it supported. Maybe you should postpone it. And I was like, no, I'm not even going to consider that like it is what it is. And I'm just going to deal with that now. And then it's really a matter of how do you react to what happens on the day? I mean, you could get really down and frustrated by the weather, but what's that going to achieve? Yeah. Or you could, you know, put the sun cream on. I made like a Legionnaire's sort of flat for the back of my lid just to protect the neck and it's like I'm just going to react to what the conditions are and stay positive about it yeah and that's all you can do right whether it's on a bike or whether it's at work or whether it's at uni or school you can only control what you can control and by spending the energy worrying or thinking about the stuff you can't what are you achieving anxious thoughts yeah. anxiety that's what you're achieving that's what brings on that anxiety yeah. when you're worrying about things you can't control it's what yeah. Just make the decision, make the choice to accept it and move on, I guess. Exactly. And considering those conditions, you still smashed the record. Yeah, so yeah. we knocked a good five hours off it, Yeah. which is, yeah, great. I mean, I'd love to have taken more, but again, it is what it is. Yeah. And I, dealt, I did what I could with the 
conditions I was dealt. So at the end of the day, I can't be unhappy with the result. I, I guess that that's why you deserved your maths, right? Exactly. What did you get? Quickly before touching the schools, what was your order? Well, I didn't even put in an order. One of the guys knew knew what I wanted somehow. Ten nuggies, <laughs> big chippies, uh, cheeseburger, Coke, and a McFlurry. <laughs> what, what McFlurry you go for? They had a Milo one. I've never had a Milo. Oh, one. A Milo. I haven't been there yet, but I'm a Milo man. Milo. Pretty good. Oof. Normally, I'm an M and M. Or Milo. I didn't. Interesting. Oh, I'm going yeah. like, to You're going to go get a Milo tonight. <laughs> um, now let's jump into the schools because this yeah. is this is like why you did it, right? Yeah. So run us through through that week. So you pretty much you finished up on the um, Sunday. Yep. And then you had a fundraiser that night. Yeah. Which you would have been falling asleep at. Um, and then, yeah, like you started off Albany Senior High yeah. School. So the concept to begin with was we wanted to visit schools that existed along the trail. And so to begin with, it was Albany. We then went north to Nanup, where we visited the school there and also did a community event with the community. Um, but then just with timing and things and opportunities, we thought, mate, maybe we can stop in at Bustleton because there's a big, you know, big community there. And if we engage with them because they do enjoy cycling, then that's a bonus. So spent the night in Busso, did a management school visit the next morning, and then three, no, two school visits in Busso, uh, Mary McKillop and uh, Bustleton or Geograph High. Both great schools, really fun, presenting to different age groups from years ones to year nine, I think was the eldest. Uh, and then finally wrapped things up at Scotch College. Uh, yeah, just skip Bunbury. Right. Yeah, we skipped <laughs> Bunbury, skipped Eton next year. <laughs> um, so Scotch, which was where I went to school, did a couple there. You were there, Braden. It was good fun. Very good fun. Uh, and finally Mundaring School, where it all began. So it's all circular. Yeah. And then the big sundowner um, and rest. <laughs> yes. What did you find at the, the schools like? Was it what you expected when you when you shared or like what was, I guess, going into it? Did you have expectations and did they exceed them or? Yeah, they did actually. I Obviously, like Australia is big on the footy, big on the soccer, big on the netball for the girls, um, basketball. I didn't know what the reaction would be to cycling. As I said, you know, like cyclists don't have the best reputation or perhaps there's not the respect for cyclists that there is elsewhere in the world. But the reception was really good. And I think the teachers had sort of prepped them a little bit. There's somebody coming. This is what he's done. Tried to put it into perspective. And the response was great, especially from the younger ones. They were, you know, once Mitch had put it into perspective and they were, yeah, like watching their eyeballs light up as he told the stories was amazing. Perhaps with the teenagers, the reception was a little bit different. And I'm not sure if that's because... The teenagers? The teenagers, they're going through that period where you don't want to be the one that puts your hand up to answer the question because you're nervous and that's all right. But the feedback we got from teachers and parents afterwards was, you know, my son came home and was talking about it. And that's what we want, just that discussion around mental health. We don't necessarily need them to act on it or put their hand up in the... Prezzo, we want them to go home and tell their parents that they've heard about it and spoken about it. That's the end outcome we want, so and, yeah, success. And touching on that, when, when we were at the Scotch one, we think the first one was at the year 11s, and um, I think it was Mitch that might ask, who's heard of ultracycling? And 
none of them like Cr- you crickets. know and then we had we did that thing was the eights as well and they're like so many more hands up and one guy one young bloke you went to uh on saturday you went to a r&d cycles yeah r&d cycles and he goes and this one kid goes yeah i work at r&d cycles i'm gonna be there i love riding i'll i'll, I'll see you there and like all this stuff and like Sweet. i was like this guy's like year eight <laughs> and it was like, incredible the questions and the knowledge like from the year eight to the year 11s was so different yeah. And I don't know if that's just because it's like that's what I don't know the age gap four years. Yeah, and it's already starting to get into that. You know, if you're a cyclist, you wear lycra and everyone beeps on you. Yeah, yeah like dad wears lycra and that's not cool. Where like you're still working your own positive stuff and what you enjoy at that young. And it was in it was just so interesting. Yeah. Some of the questions we got, and I was just like, I was pretty blown away. I was like, man, these like kids are actually really really interested and a lot more than what the older kids were and. You could really tell that they were like, you said the reactions on the kids' yeah. faces, right? And do you reckon that's because of the age? I feel it is, yeah. Thing? Yeah. And I think it's because you like, like you said, you don't want to, they don't want to put their hand up and they don't want to um, say anything. But I I went out and there was actually a, a local kid from Esperance that was there. Yeah. And uh, my, my sister's really good mates with his sister and... He came up to me, introduced himself, and I was like, "Oh, mate, what'd you think? Like, did you did you enjoy listening to Jack?" And he goes, "Yeah, man." I was, and he asked one of the questions, and he was yeah. only one of the kids that did. I said, "Really good question, mate." And he goes, "Yeah, well, I was a little bit timid because no one was putting their hand up, and no one really wanted to talk." And and I asked him, I was like, "Well, like, why did you ask the question?" And he goes, "Well, I wanted to see his perspective on how I can use, I guess, his knowledge and his wisdom." into my life and my dream and what I want to achieve. Yeah. And I was just like, "What you want, I just threw it out there. I was like, oh, you want to be a cyclist? And he goes, no, 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 I don't want to be a cyclist, but I still want to use his, I guess, knowledge and yeah. use that into my life. So how do I describe it? It's people are taking what you're saying and putting it into to their life. Applying it to their yeah. own circumstance or whatever it is. And that just proves like, ask the question because... You just don't know. So many other kids would be thinking the exact same That's thing. That's the thing. Like, I remember at school, like, you're always nervous to ask the mm. question. Like, you don't want to be the, ask the wrong question. But I've found, like, as you get older, and you guys probably feel the same, you know. Just ask it. Ask yeah. the, that, you know, no, no, don't care what other people think. Like, I don't care what other people think anymore, and I feel so much better for it. Because, again, you can't control it. And, you, and, that, and if... They don't ask the question. Guarantee that. Well, you don't know. It's a ninety-five percent chance they'll never see you again. Yeah. They'll never have that opportunity. Yeah. So it's like take that opportunity to ask the questions. If it's at a school with someone presenting, or if it's in life, if it's in business, if it's in work, just ask that question. Because worst case scenario, then they're going to say no if you want something, or they're going to give you some pretty good advice that you can either use or you don't use if it doesn't resonate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just asking that question. Yeah. Because why ponder on the unknown, I guess. Yeah. For sure. Jack, I know you said we had about an hour, and so, but I just wanted to touch on two um, little aspects before I hand back over to Brayden. Um, recently in the last year or so, we've seen the likes of Ned Brockman and yourself just do these unbelievable feats that, like... To the, to the normal person that we think, like, it's just extreme. What do you see, like, in common with, like, yourself and, and someone like Ned that are just doing these ultra, 
extreme things. I think they're... You know, Ned Brockman is, yeah? Yeah. I think it's... Um, they're not afraid to give something a go. Yeah. Like, Ned could have failed, I could have failed. But you never know if you don't give it a go. So it's like that question, like, unless you ask it, you're not going to know the answer. So I can jump in, yeah. have a go. Whether it's at footy, whether it's at on the bike, whether it's at... You know, whether it's at work and you're undertaking a new project or something, like, get in there. Mm. Get amongst it. Don't be the one that's standing at the back of the room wondering what would happen if you did do it. Go and do it. Yeah. Because that mentality like that you both have and that, like, it's just and that we're able to witness is just so inspiring. Like, I just see that and I've been able to just, like, sort of apply that to different aspects of my life and I hope others do the same. And I'm, I'm continuing to grow and, and see where, where the limits lie kind of yeah. thing. And I think that's what it's about. About the growth, isn't it? Yeah. Just keep growing. Doesn't matter how big or small you grow, but just keep growing. <laughs> so you just said extreme, right? So when you say extreme, how do you get classified as an extreme cyclist? Ultra cyclist. <laughs> Ultra cyclist. Sorry. I don't know. You just got to do a few long dumb things. <laughs> Is it like it's like six hours a minimum on a bike or something like that, isn't it? A bit well, longer, right? The guy, the guys and girls that race pro tour, this like they're probably racing at the top end six hours. I think it becomes ultra when it's longer than a day or it's longer than, I mean, my ultra and, you know, your ultra might be different. It's yeah. all relative, right? So my mum's ultra might be, you know, riding to Scarborough for lunch. My ultra might be riding to Sydney. It's, it's all relative, you know, and I think that's kind of cool about ultra cycling or ultra running. It's, we have our own limits and it's pushing those limits, which determines whether it's ultra or not. Love that. It's yeah. a great answer, isn't it? Yeah. Um, just quickly, you don't ride 100 k's or 200 k's every day. No. Right? So, is a 20 kilometer? What did you ride um, with your old man in that? This morning was 30 kilometers. Yeah. So is that boring for you? <laughs> no, I enjoy because then I can go and have coffee afterwards. You, yeah. Like. So is it like because because I I have got a bike, right? And we would ride for a bit and then you sit down and have a oh, – that was so fun. But, like, yeah. do you get, like, 15 kilometres in and then everyone's like, okay, we're going to stop for a coffee? And you're like, oh, what? Like, <laughs> Here in Perth, the culture's a bit different. It's more about that enjoyment yeah. and, like, I'm all for that, right? When I come back, it's like I'm going to enjoy that. I love coming home because of that. Back home, it's a bit different because it's people's jobs. And there are, like, your recreational cyclists and, you know, once a week I'll do a two-hour ride and that's a recovery ride because, as you know, like recovery is in, as important as the training itself because that's when your body's making those adaptions. But typically, if I go out on a bike, it's for four to six hours. But again, that's work. It's all relative. So I'm going to work. I'm going to do four mm. to six hours. Um, is there any breaks in that? I might stop to fill up water bottles, but that's about it. See, because most Australians will think, bike ride cyclist they're stopping like it's just a common like they'll stop they'll have a coffee they'll have some food or whatever where when it's your full-time job yeah it's like a f you're at work yeah but these got these people at work are having half an hour lunch break or a, a 15 20 minute smoker where you're fill up the water bottle and keep going yeah so you are working the entire time it's a good point yeah there's no downtime you might ride easier at a certain point and then do intervals at a certain point. So you're not always 100% on the pedals. But, yeah, it's 
yeah, it's a good point that I hadn't thought about. It is when I'm at work, I'm at work. And like, for example, when my partner messages me and I'm at work, I don't reply to the message because I'm, working. she knows like I'm working, I'm out there grinding away in the sun or in the cold or whatever. I'll chat to her and I'm finished and she's got respect for that. I've had partners in the past who haven't respected that and they want you to reply when you're, hang on, I'm at, I'm at fucking work. Yeah. Like, give me a break. Mm. Love that point, eh? Yeah. And I'm going to, sorry, mate. I just, I'm a big coffee man, right? And I, I used to love that social side of go for a ride. Have, I, didn't, I was like, yeah, I'll do the ride. Sweet. But I just like sit what down. And, and, and the best thing about it was you find new coffee spots. Yeah. Right? And that's what I found when I was doing it. But living in Spain, I'm going to assume the coffee's pretty good. You know what? Not as good as here. So, but uh, it's okay. Australia, Australia coffee's really good. It is, yeah, my, miss, my missus wants to come to Australia because she's like, oh, anywhere you go, you get good coffee. Whereas in Spain, it's like, all right, we've got dishwater today. And <laughs> well, this one, they've the milk's still burnt, but it's okay. And <laughs> I was gonna, So what, where I was segmenting um, into is, do you ever literally just do what you do here, like you did this morning, where you go for a ride and you sit down and have a coffee? Is there like a couple of cafes back home where you where you do that or you get the yeah, opportunity? Yeah, there is. Yeah, there's a couple. And I'll normally try and tie it into the end of a ride. So it's yeah. like a bit of a reward. And we'll stop for a coffee. Or even if I'm by myself, I'll stop for a coffee, pastry or something. And I'll, you know, just sit there, especially in summer and soak it all up, soak yeah. up the sun. And I'm just I'm just picturing like you just – when you said you you ride from, what is it, the same, the Monday Biddy to – Yeah, imagine just – Oh, just yeah. not trying to do a world record and just writing that. Do it over 10 do, days, be mint. Yeah, just the mm. things you'd see. And I think um, it's that experience. And people talk about, um, you know, the journey is better than the destination or whatever it is. Like for you, yeah, like say put this in perspective, you rode from Mundaring to Albany. Like, whoa, that's incredible. But like the journey along that ride, like the things yeah. you're seeing, the animals, the like – It'd be the same as yeah, riding across you know the country, yeah, or yeah, yeah, Tokyo, Japan, and all that stuff. Like the things you get to see, that's the journey that like you know, and then the school part—that's part of the journey and seeing 100%. people's faces light up and talk about a dream. Like that's the real bit. I feel, and the, the it's exactly right. Like you know, the preparing and the training, and I almost find that more fun than the actual event itself. Hmm. And I think that's the the key is, as you say, it's about the journey and the enjoyment along the way and not getting fixated on the end result. Because if it doesn't go to plan and you haven't enjoyed the journey to get there, then it's a failure. But if you've enjoyed the journey and you fail at the end, we've well, still enjoyed the journey. So that's okay, right? Yeah. And I agree because I used to love preseason. Yeah. Like, it's just so much fun. Like, you grind and hard. It's so hot here in Perth and you're just out there with your mates enjoying it. And then, you know, games are fun, like the end reward, right? That's also always fun. But that was the bit that I loved the most. And that yeah. just always puts it for me is the, the journey, right? And I just – and it's for you. It's the things outside of the main event that I yeah. that I used to love. And I guess you're probably the same. 100%. Yeah. I'm the same. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Um, my last question is kind of modelled um, from one of the questions that one of the blokes asked on Friday. He was standing right next to me, actually. Yeah. Um. And I thought it was probably the best question of the night. Just he asked you, um, well, I know I want to ask you as well. Um, given the things that you've done to get up to this point, including the ride just recent, do you think you'd still be able to do what you've done 
if your past was any different, if not having go through that. Do you remember that question? Yeah, I, I don't think so because like that's put it all into perspective, and it's given it gave me the drive to give away the full time work. I think if I hadn't been at rock bottom, I wouldn't have had the motivation to start again. I sort of would have followed that path and. I saw that the money didn't make me happy, so I'm not chasing money now. Everything sort of shaped me into where I am today. And so I think while it was hard, I wouldn't change anything because I think I am who I am today because of what's happened before. So I'm almost thankful for the everything that's gone on and, again, looking forward to the future and what it holds. Is there anything you can touch on? <laughs> no, nah, we'll leave it. We'll leave it. I'm excited, though, because I know there is some big plans in the works for the future which is super exciting but i cannot wait for this doco eh? mm. i'm so excited is yep. it is when you say doco can we make it like some people say doco is like 20 minutes can we make it like an hour and a half like it really <laughs> push it out netflix doc- netflix doc- i'd love that coming this summer we need a big sponsor <laughs> yeah, we need a, but um yeah it's just man i've loved this this chat and dive and we could continue it on i guess for for a lot longer but Tom just talked about everything that shaped you has shaped the man you are. And you just talked about money. Right. So last last one, well, second last one for me is tying your journey, your purpose, your passion. Like we all throw put the word purpose around you everywhere, right? But for you, you gotta have money to be able to achieve things and do things you wanna do as well. So not yeah. saying money's not important, but tying your your life, I guess, and your path to something that's bigger than yourself. How important do you think that is? Massive because it gives, like if we want to say that word purpose, it gives me that purpose. I could go to work and I could make money, you know, selling coffees or doing whatever. But would I feel like I had a purpose? Would I feel like I was achieving what I wanted to achieve? Maybe, but maybe not. And I feel like I've found that purpose, which is, you know, helping other people. But I've also realised that I enjoy riding the bike. And so to be able to combine the two is, I think, what's important. Something that you're passionate about and something that you feel, you know, um, gives you purpose, that you've got the dream job. Yeah, tying them them together, right? What you love to do and how you can use that to better the the world, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, love it. Mm, It's kind of like icky guy. Yeah, literally. Yep. Well said. Cheers. You're welcome. (laughs) Well, mate. Oh, I want to keep going, but we, we know you don't have time. But the last question we always ask on this podcast is, and <laughs> you're allowed to say more than one because your last week's been pretty hectic. So the, the last week, who's been someone or the team or I guess who are you grateful for in the last week? I'll say who you are, not one person. It can be a couple, but who are you grateful for in the last week? Um, there's so many people, but I think if I had to choose one group, it would be the team around this project. So the team at Okia, Marty and Mo, Mitch from NBA Sport, you boys from Happiness Co, um, the sponsors who have helped make it happen. Um, I could go on and on and on, like the people who came out and supported on the side of the road, the kids at the school. Uh, I think what I'm trying to get at is my heart's full and I'm thankful for yeah. the whole week. So, yeah, it's um, it's hard to pinpoint one particular group. thought that could be an answer. Yeah. yeah. What about you, my friend? Um, man, I'm going to go kind of a collective, but, um, yourself and the kind of like the group of men that we had yesterday, um, just 
I don't know, like being in the, in that environment, I was just uh, like able to build, like feel myself and like um, make a decision to go there and just like know that that's where in very in line with the like the my ideal self kind of thing, like work out and then do the ice bath after and then we got the men's circle, like that was just, I just had an ideal like start to the day and could have done it with with yourself and the boys that made it happen. So, cheers, lads. Yeah, I love that. Mm. Mine is, mate, I've had probably the best three days from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And why I say that is because very grateful, like I was so excited to go to Scotch and and to see you there, like you had your Scotch um, tie and I was just so grateful to be a part of, you know, I only played like a small part, but just to be a part of that, I was so grateful for the team and, and yourself for letting me do that. The podcast we had with um, the Cold Nips and connecting with those boys and their journey there. So I was just so happy with that. And then to finish off Sunday, man, with the, that group of people, like you said, like I hadn't done a workout like that in so long. And I loved that and connecting with a whole bunch of blokes, like half of us had our shirts off, we're sweaty, we're hugging up. And it was just that, it was just that moment. I think it's just moments. I don't know if there's a person, it's more just the th- like three or four moments over that weekend that I'm so grateful for. And because it, it really aligned me to, like you just said, that ideal self. So, awesome. Yeah, mm. it's been a yeah, it's been sick. Three lucky lads, are yeah, yeah very How good. good, mate. Guys, what an episode, Jack. Thank you so much for coming in this morning. Um, truly inspired myself, Braden, and hopefully the listeners as well. If we can spread this to as much as our crowd as we can to yours as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because just incredible story. We're gonna spread it as far and wide as possible, but. Yeah, let us know where we can reach you. I think because we'll, like we'll include it in the show notes. Definitely like the the YouTube, yep, Instagram handle, um, website. Is there anything else? No, they're the, the main ones. Jack Ultra Cyclist across all of them, really. So, yeah. if you want to have a chat, if you want to ask a question, if you want to reach out for help, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but I'm happy to chat and happy to listen. So, yeah, offers open. Appreciate that, mate. Thanks for giving us your time on your your last day here in Perth, and um, mate, safe travels back. Thank you. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Back to Chrissy. That's it. Sounds good. Thanks for um, listening to another episode, guys, and we'll catch you in the next one. You. Thanks, guys. You, my friend, have just made it to the end of another Switched On podcast. Thank you very, very much. If you enjoyed the episode, it would be a massive help if you could follow the channel, rate five stars, of course, please, tap the notification bell, share with friends and family, or you could do them all. If you want to get in touch to suggest some feedback, suggest a guest, or even advertise your brand, reach out to our Instagram DM. And also be sure to check out our website for more information, resources, and updates for what we've got coming up. Thanks once again. Stay switched on.